0: Um. Nope. Oh, did we just go offline, or did I lose it? Okay. Anyway, it's uh, it's going to generate six different misconfigurations. So some common misconfigurations. I still only am seeing. Hey, chat. Are you only seeing Edge in the share window? Because that's the only thing. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's what I'm seeing. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Edge. Can I close
1: Edge? It's it's just
2: like there's a spinny circle in it though. It's probably a issue between the streaming platform and Twitch because I in our streaming platform I see ISC. Interesting.
1: All right, if I I'm gonna change windows, we'll see what this looks like. Probably just ruin the entire street st- stream. No, it's I so Dev, fine. I told, told Dev I was going to do
3: this. Yeah, and I said, I hate you very much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Boom. But,
0: See, check it out. There's the ISE. All right, and it looks terrible, probably, but nonetheless, you can follow along yeah. at home. So we've got. Um, So in this active directory script, like I had said, we've got several different misconfigurations. So in addition to that, it'll actually stand up a active directory from scratch. So what what I've done, I've already run part of this um, just for the sake of time. The first section actually configures and installs AD domain services on the server. So all you need is just a base server OS. I've got just an evaluation version of 2022 installed here. So it'll go ahead and install the uh, domain services as well as like DNS and set that all up for you. And then uh, it'll ask you to reboot as is necessary. And then when you rerun it again, you can go ahead and run the um, population portion of the script. That part will go ahead and fill Active Directory with users and computers. It'll add users to groups um, and it'll essentially set up just like a fake a fake one. It'll it'll prompt you for the, the um, the SRM password and the default password for all the user accounts.
3: Yeah, it's so actually what, a two-part script, though, um, just so you're aware. Because the first part, you have to install all the Active Directory, then reboot.
1: Make sure you reboot. That's very important. Yeah, AD
0: does not uh, install without a reboot. So here I'm scrolling through, and I'm still checking to see if I am actually even showing any of the scrolling that's occurring. It doesn't even look like it It looks like it's just dead. Um, So I'll keep explaining it, and then we can figure something out. There is a lag time on Twitch
2: streaming, you know?
0: Right. Oh, I know. Yeah, about like 10 seconds
3: or something like that.
0: But it's not six minutes long. Um, so so yeah, after the reboot occurs, Active Directory gets populated, then all the fun stuff happens. So um, what we can do is, while I try to sort this out, I can go ahead and we'll just cover quickly a couple of the vulnerabilities. The idea and that we're going to walk through is we're going to walk through a handful of the vulnerabilities. We're going to talk about um, what they are. So you've heard of Kerberoasting we're going to explain a little bit about curb roasting. You've heard about unconstrained delegation. We're going to show a little bit about unconstrained delegation. So those are two of the ones we're going to look at. The other one is uh, an attack known as the AS rep roast, which has to do with pre-authentication occurring on user accounts. So while I try to change this around without breaking too much stuff, Jim, do you want to um, pick your favorite of the three and just kind of explain a little bit about what, what it is, what the attack associated with that is, um, and why, it, why that configuration is bad?
2: Sure. So I guess <clears throat> I'll try to start out with crib roasting. Um, so in order for the Kerberos roast authentication protocol, to function um, it needs to have a UPN or an SPN um, so either user principal name or a service principal name uh, assigned to that account um, every user has a user principal name and that allows you to authenticate as a user using Kerberos um, when you get into making service accounts and assigning an account to a service you either need to use a computer account and assign an SPN or assign an SPN to a service account that's a user. Um, And then once you do that and have an account with an SPN on it that's a user account, or even a computer account for that matter, um, anybody in that forest and sometimes beyond that forest can request a uh, ticket granting a TGS to that service account because there's an SPN on it. Um so they can make that request and get um basically what is the the encrypted um uh TGS back from that account. And by default, um you know like back in the day of early uh, early Windows 2000, Windows 2003, those those tickets would have been encrypted with DES or triple DES encryption, which is only 56 bit. Um, more commonly, recently, it would be encrypted with RC4 um, HMAC encryption, which is um, in current times fairly easy to crack um, and and fairly efficient to crack with like Hashcat, and especially if you have good word lists. Um, and the the newest way to encrypt those would be with AES. Uh, encryption, which is still possible to crack, but it takes a lot more time unless you have a really bad password. Um, so the, the, the real kicker with crib roasting is, is that any authenticated user can request that ticket. Um, so if you're just a standard user or in the domain or forest or even a computer account, you can request a service ticket to that service and then take that Responding, corresponding ticket, and crack it offline on a different, you know, on a, on a cracking rig, or wherever, you, wherever your best option is for doing the cracking. Um, and that's an effective attack in a lot of environments because passwords suck, um, and people are bad at making passwords. Um, you know, if that account has a really good password, um, by really good, I mean. Uh, long, random, and unique. Um, so if you've got like a, you know, 30-character password that's just randomly generated by a, a password manager or something like that, and that's that, that password is only used for that one account and nothing else, chances are nobody's going to be able to crack that offline um, in a reasonable amount of time with the current technology we have today, uh, whether it's RC4 or AES. Um. Yeah. So, are we are we moving forward with the stream stream or? For it... now, I'm
0: afraid afraid to touch anything else.
2: Is Although it, it does me?
0: look like so, I, I did go ahead and run the script while you were talking.
2: So prepared everything.
0: Prepare. So I went ahead. uh Let's see here. This is still an old version, Dev. In my bad. So. um So. Good job. Shout out Good to Dev, real quick. I mean, I don't give him a lot of compliments. So enjoy this one, Dev. It's going to be on video. Uh Dev told his boss that he needed about an hour or so to work on some of these scripts to clean them up. And he and I probably put in ten times that together and, and him specifically in um just making this a little bit more streamlined and, and ready to showcase. So thank you, Dev. Good job. One of the cool that's things that, that he did here I'll be here
3: all the, week. If you want to buy oh, me a beer, that's fine.
0: All right. Well I'll send you one in the mail. So we first started it off. So I went ahead and ran the Active Directory script here. So we've got it set up where the very first question is config AD environment. That's what we talked about is actually building Active Directory. It could take you know several minutes to go ahead and do that. Populating the AD environment is the second one. I said no to both of those first two. And then I went ahead and said yes to the third one, which is config the AD vulnerabilities. So the first thing we did was we set up 10 of those accounts for Kerber roasting, so here uh, Michael Anderson is the first one, and then uh, ends with Gabriel. Oh,
3: that's that's English. I thought that was Sanskrit.
0: Okay, no. Can you can you? Is it completely unreadable on Twitch? More or less.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: It's, can you just zoom it's in
1: cool.
0: more? Maybe yeah, down. I did zoom in. Enhance. Um.
2: And you have to draw a circle with your hands to enhance, don't you? Yeah, that's actually
3: a lot better. And then we can just move the, like, make the blue piece a little bit bigger, the terminal
1: piece bigger. Yeah, it's. So we're going to do this. right. Much better. All
0: right, look at this. It's like we've done this before. Okay, so like we had talked about, the first thing, curb roasting, uh Jim, I wasn't paying close attention. Is this the only thing that you actually touched on for the first time? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So similar to Kerberos is uh, the Kerberos Pre-Auth, also known as the AS rep roast. But that's how I say it. Is that, is that how you say it, Jim? Yep. Cool. And then the last one is the Unconstrained Delegation. So this... It's, it's actually pulling an attribute right here that is uh, not populated, so we changed that in the other script. Um, then we haven't touched on these yet. We can dig into that if we get time. I don't know that we're actually going to have um, full amount of time to to get that. So, Jim, you talked about about Kerberos roasting in general, about how yeah. it, how it's SPNs. So let's grab uh, let's grab one of these guys and see. If we can find out what what it looks like in Active Directory that makes
1: him vulnerable. Okay, cool. So that worked. And so we're gonna go ahead and pull the service principal names. And so
0: sure. the vulnerability actually this guy got picked twice, it looks like cool. So here the service principal name is just a random service on a computer that doesn't exist. When I create these manually, I create them just as like fake slash server. The SPN doesn't have to even exist whatsoever um, or actually point to something that exists. For Kerberos thing, yeah. Correct. Yeah, to actually, service principal names do need to exist for them to actually function as far as Active Directory is concerned. Yeah.
3: Well, it depends on how you use your Active Directory.
0: I mean, if you don't want it to. Yeah.
3: In the Microsoft land, everything oh. is optional.
2: And that depends too, because like the not everything in the service principal name in the tickets in the actual um, response, the service ticket response is encrypted. So you can mess with some of that stuff and it, some of that information in there and, and modify it on the fly in some tools. Yeah.
0: All right, cool. So in this webcast, we're not actually digging into how to exploit it. I thought that might be a cool follow-up. Maybe we'll record a video or something where where we can actually go ahead and attack this lab.
3: There's only like Um, a million videos showing you how to exploit Kerberos. Kerberos.
0: OK, I'll go look it up then. I don't know. It's fun
3: to do. Yep. And Uh, since we're a blue team company, we're going to show you how to detect
1: it. And
0: we're going to do something else. All right.
2: To find the misconfiguration, yeah. Right. So you know which accounts. Okay, so I'm going to run this. And as he's running this,
3: all these scripts are available on our GitHub. Um, The latest version is still in a PR pull request because Jake decided to take two weeks off on vacation. Ready to go, Jake? Mm -hmm. Everyone give Jake a pause right there. Uh, so when he gets back, he's going to do a pull request, so it should be up to date at that juncture. And we'll send something out in, tr- in our Twitter account so everyone knows.
0: Yeah. And listen, I was proud of myself for knowing the word fork. So I went straight to GitHub. I clicked on the forks, and I saw um, saw Dev's version. So this is his version. So this has all the updates in it and i believe it was a little bit further up in the top but let's walk through this just real high level first um all right so the invoke trimark ad checks script starts with just some domain information itself so it pulls out the um forest and domain functional level all the domain controllers so in this instance we just have one and pulls up some backup information, so the tombstone lifetime, the last time the supported backup of AD occurred, some trust information. If, if we had a lab that actually had any trusts, it would pull it there. And then um, this section is kind of what we've started working with here. So the user reports is going to report on accounts with reverse encryption. It's going to report on some password information. And this Kerberos pre-authentication, that's what we'll touch on next. But then if we go further down, we've got password policy. We've got information about the default domain administrator account. KerbtGT, Uh, this section is going to list all of our AD admins. So this is anyone that's a member of domain admins, enterprise admins, schema admins, or the administrators group.
3: Uh, One thing I'd like to point out: if you notice on the bottom of each section, you're gonna see where it says "file saved to." Not only are we outputting it in the actual um, terminal, we're also saving a CSV file, so that way you can go back, reference, open up in Excel, and do your Excel
1: magic um, to do, you know, whatever you need to do. I can't tell. I can't tell Scott to shut up in Twitch
0: chat. Be quiet.
1: Sure, you can. You can say.
0: See, there you go. <laughs> I can't say shut it. Okay. So now we're down to the ADA accounts with SPIN. So this check is pulling out all of the information or accounts that have an associated service principal name. And right away at the top of the list, so be- beyond Curb TGT, which by the way, don't freak out, that's always got a service principal name. So don't think you're immediately hacked when you see that. The administrator account somehow was selected at one point during this script and added a service principal name to the default domain administrator account. I've actually seen this before too. So and there's never a reason to do it. it's It's always something that that's been set for years ago. Uh, I've seen it firsthand as an administrator before, pointing to a a server that was obviously an old domain controller. so. Things, things are set up by previous admins. So stuff like this is cool just to know where your service principles are at. Uh, I think if we scroll over, it may pull password. No, it doesn't pull the password information. Um,
3: no, so but I believe I that's know. saved in the file, though, when the okay. CSV file. Excellent.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if, Jim, you had, had you did mention something about long, complex passwords. The other... Yeah. Um. The other thing associated with that, it would be password age. And a lot of times that's associated from, in my mind of, um, if it's older, it means that you have had longer to attack that password, um, before it got changed or is changed, but probably more so than that is I always like to tell customers to think back about a password you would have set back in, you know, 2009.
2: What was yeah. that
0: a good password? Or, or was that a good password according to
2: two thousand nine standards? It was. It was probably spring two thousand nine. Without the exclamation point, because you didn't need that then. <laughs> Maybe not. It, it, well. it, it was password or let me in or or something goofy like that. Yeah. So looking back at really old passwords, you know, over time, hopefully our take on what is a good password has evolved. Um, it's not uncommon to see accounts with an SPN registered that are administrators and the password hasn't changed since 2003.
3: Um, or, yeah, I mean, and Office was a big thing back then, so maybe your password is incorrect, or anchor I should say. So that way it tells you when it's wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And, and one thing that we didn't really touch on when I was explaining curb-roasting is, so, you know, like if, if you curb-roast a regular user account, you can take the actions as that regular user account, so if, if that is if that if that regular user account is uh, in charge of running a SQL server, you can access that SQL server as that user because you now know that user's um, username and plain text credentials, assuming that you are successfully able to offline crack it. Um, if you go from a regular standard user account and crack. Offline the password of an AD admin, a member of domain admins. You just went from domain users to domain admins. You just did escalation of privilege in the environment. So um, that's a good reason to not make admins account admin accounts, service accounts, and if it's you know if it's not a service account, it doesn't need an SPN.
0: Exactly. Jim's uh, just very lightly touching on a soapbox that he likes to stand on, which is that service accounts should never be domain administrator accounts. Therefore, it makes absolutely no sense for any highly privileged account to have an SPN.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and I've been a sysadmin for many, many years. I know that your software vendor tells you to make that service account domain admin because it'll just work. and They're right. It will just work, and it's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do in your environment. At the same time, you—it's better to do least privilege.
1: Yeah,
2: or use enterprise admin.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's better. Thank you. Or you know what? Or the administrators group, right? That's not quite a domain admin. Uh, So there are a couple, a couple things in chat. I just I want I want didn't want to completely glaze over this question just because it was from scott but he asked why can't you kerberos to the curb tgt account so my answer was that it's a the password is a a long complex string so it's just so you can kerberos it it's just uncrackable it's also a disabled account is
2: that true jim yeah you you can you can kerberos uh kerb tgt you can you could you could try to and you could try to kerberos um a computer account that has an SPN set, but again, both of those have very long, very random passwords. Like, I think 256 characters or something like that, um, completely random, completely unique. Um, if you can crack that, um, everybody has bigger problems than Kerberosing.
0: Another quick point in chat: we've got a uh, stolen Kerb GGT, which I love that uh, that user and account. So wanted to highlight the need for better domain hygiene. And I think that's essentially what this script is attempting to do. So again, Mm -hmm. like David said, I think twice, but now this is something that Trimark offers for free. It's on our GitHub. It's essentially, we call it the miniature version of the ADSA assessment that we offer. Uh, This check, I didn't count the number of actual checks that may appear, but there's somewhere along the lines of 20 to 30 checks in this one, I'm guessing. Um, if you kind of look under the covers, you'll probably find a little bit more. Uh, but our full-blown ADSA assessment, I think we're into, uh, Scott, put it in chat. How many checks do we do in our ADSA? It's a couple hundred. So let's uh, quickly shift gears then. Let's talk about the next one, which is kind of like the, the brother or, or sister of the Kerberos attack, which is the AS Rep Roast. Jim, do you want to walk us through that a little bit? So, yeah, what, so what is that? Or what it, like what does it mean? Yeah.
2: So when Kerberos was originally developed, there wasn't pre-authentication. Um so talking like early Kerberos five or maybe before Kerberos five, I think I think pre- authentication has been around since Kerberos five was um Since, like, 1993, Kerberos pre-authentication has been around. Because with the original versions of Kerberos that were built um, by MIT for the Unix systems, um, anybody could request a TGT for anybody without any form of authentication. So even, like, an anonymous user in the system could request a TGT and attempt to crack that that request offline, which at that point in time, what you're basically cracking is, is a timestamp um, to reverse that. And then you have a usable, a usable uh, ticket granting ticket. Um, so before Windows even had Kerberos, um, pre-authentication was introduced um, into the, the Kerberos v5. Um, specifications or the RFCs or whatever, and I don't know the RFC numbers off the top of my head, but it's been around for a long time because operating without pre-authentication is incredibly dangerous. Uh, So what pre-authentication does is encrypt that uh, that, um, request, the AS request um, with a little bit of a stamp from the Domain uh, credential that you're using to request it with, just to make sure that it's not being um, machine in the middle attacked or anything like that. Um, so if you don't have pre-authentication enabled, there's a bunch of different things that can be done with that. Um, there's there's machine in the middle attacks. Uh, Charlie Clark released something like late last year about uh, doing some other stuff with with AS requests over the wire um, and and when things are not, when pre is not enabled. And then the most commonly known one is, is AS rep roasting, which is, again, you know, if pre-authentication is not required. You can request that. Um, you can request that and crack the TGT instead of the TGS. I think I got that right. But sometimes, I even mess up Kerberos in my head sometimes. So
0: <laughs> It all starts to sound like gibberish to me as, as you know, I feel like it's something that I've understood part of, and then I totally forget any of it.
3: So, yeah, I thought the pre auth was using, like, um, a it basically generated a shared key that it's going to then use for the rest of the negotiation or the rest of the talking through the process. That's what I always assumed it was.
0: Right? So it sounds to me like, and this is actually something I've never understood or known before, but so it sounds to me that... Um, AS rep roasting, sorry, I should just take it back. Basically, pre authentication is dangerous, not only because of the same reason curb roasting is dangerous, is that you can essentially get the hash and you can throw it into a cracking rig and you could obtain the plain text password. It's more dangerous because of that machine in the middle. You could do that replay attack. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and it's an easier to, so the the type of encryption that's used, it's an easier. To track encryption, if I remember correctly, on a on a AS request than it is on a on a service ticket. Awesome.
0: Okay, so that's what it is. That's why it's bad. Um, the The report here pulls this like uh, like we've talked about before. That's that's going to be saved into a file. Dev, do you know does it actually list in that file the accounts that are associated with those nineteen accounts with preauth? Or should we tempt the demo gods on it and see if I can write a one-liner? It does. All
3: that? No, it does. Um, so for what it does is basically it outputs um, every user and all the different categories you see out there. So reverse encryption, password not required, blah blah blah, blah as columns, and it basically lets you know true false
1: which ones are rich. Awesome. At least that's what it's supposed to do.
0: And so this is something we've been very intimately familiar with because we've been. Um, Manually typing this in to confirm the scripts are working and stuff like that.
2: Um, yeah. And, and like realistically, the only time you would ever actually need pre- to disable pre authentication is if you were using like some kind of Unix or POSIX system that has Kerberos 4 enabled in it. So if you're using still in 2023, a system that's been outdated since 1993 since before i graduated from high school you all got some bigger problems i think
3: i'm before using 3.11 is that bad
2: yeah well windows 3.11 doesn't have kerberos so that's fine <laughs> you're not impacted <laughs> so, so similar
0: this isn't really this is a little off script but on the oh. same screen we check reverse encryption that's something that Jake and I have been digging into, uh, hope to publish something very shortly on that. And, and it's a similar POSIX, POSIX Unix um, supported um, encryption, which is essentially storing the password as plain text in the Active Directory database. Um, from what I've found on it so far, just kind of a quick version of of what it is that i've been trying to research so you can um, it's used in something like chap authentication which is going to be used for like a iSCSI connection something like that it's used for um, not basic authentication in ias but it's used for digest authentication in ias both of which actually it's required because the server needs to understand the plaintext password to layer its own encryption on top of that and then passes it so I've been really trying hard to see if on the client I can um, capture that and reverse it in any way, but I haven't found a good authentication for that yet. So nonetheless, it's still bad to do. Um, And again, to Jim's point, completely unnecessary. All right. You guys ready to move on to unconstrained? We're going well. Dev said you guys won't get through three things. Hell yeah, we are. All right, unconstrained delegate. Should we jump? No, no. I
3: said table? Jim talking by himself when he gets through three things.
2: Yeah. Okay. As long as you interrupt me, I'll, we'll be fine. So, um, <laughs> let's let's actually. I'm, I want to
0: do this. So since we've got time before I screw something. Oh, else. here up, we
3: go. All script. us
0: go. gonna get a blue screen. Yep. <laughs> yep. This is how we
2: <laughs> lose the whole stream.
0: Hey, you'll be glad to know that it doesn't sound like my laptop is taking off anymore the little fans in these things. Maybe they're burnt out. Maybe they're dead. Uh, What's that smoke from your desk? (laughs)
2: In the background.
3: The best way to check Uh, if your laptop is overheating is get an egg, crack it over it, and see if it cooks it.
2: That's why they make them out of aluminum now.
0: Or pour water on it and see... Yeah. Okay, so I've jumped back into the Active Directory script, and the section of this is where we're actually setting unconstrained delegation. So I feel like this might be good to to look at when we're talking about it uh, for an understanding of how it's how it's set, at least from a PowerShell perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's this uh, this trusted for delegation flag. So Jim, do you want to kind of walk us through what unconstrained delegation is, maybe why it's set up. Why it's even necessary or why it's unnecessary?
2: Sure. So, like, you know, like the, when Windows 2000 first came out, which is when Active Directory was released, I don't think uncon- I think unconstrained delegation was actually introduced in Server 2003. And, and the the reason why Kerberos delegation is important is if uh, you, the user, are trying to access a service, and that service has a back end. So let's say you're connecting to a website and that website needs to connect to a SQL server. The website needs to have and be able to impersonate you, the user from the web server to the SQL server in order to be able to do that transaction and return the data that you need. Um, so that's kind of a it's, one way of looking at it is it's a double hop, and by default that that web server isn't able to authenticate as you and you wouldn't want that web server to be authenticating like as administrator or system or something because then you'd be pulling and accessing that data with um, information that's beyond the scope of what your user can. So unconstrained delegation, which is the first type of delegation that was introduced in Windows um, and in Active Directory, is not constrained. And that's really the problem with it is is that that, for example, that web server can delegate. And when we say delegate in a Kerberos standpoint, we're talking impersonate. So that's just another word for impersonating that user. So in this case where you've got a web server, that web server can impersonate any user to get to that SQL server except for it's not really restricted or constrained down to just being able to access that SQL server. It can access anything because it's unconstrained. Um, And the only restriction on that back in 2003 would have been account is sensitive and cannot be delegated. Protected users didn't exist yet at that point. So there's a, there's a check mark flag, which um, Brandon is opening up and hopefully will uh, um, Zoom in a little bit so y'all can actually see it.
0: I don't know if I can zoom this one in. Okay. I'm afraid to do it. Okay, well, here, yeah. just to explain it, it's on, yeah. so you open up the user object on the account tab in the, the same section where everybody likes to set it up so uh, passwords never expire. That's what everyone knows it as, right? Yeah. Uh, if you, you, sc- you scroll about halfway down, there is an account insensitive and cannot be delegated checkbox.
2: Yeah, so that means... If you can't be delegated, you can't be impersonated. So um, that is a really good thing to set on all of your administrators in your in your environment. Um, Protected users does that and more stuff. So they're they're complementary. They don't you know protected users won't um, do anything wrong to the account is sensitive. Not be delegated. And in some instances, like with the the RID 500 default administrator account, you need to have it set as account is sensitive and not can be delegated because protected users doesn't protect it. Um, Every other account protected users will. Um, So what happens with with unconstrained delegation is, is you can, if you compromise that web server that is enabled and allowed to do unconstrained delegation on everybody, either compromise that um that that account or the service account if it's a separate service account. Um and now you you can either just wait for a domain admin to to log in to your website or to contact that um that server. Uh, or you could coerce authentication with something like printer bug or petit patam or uh shadow course or just use the whole coercer thing and get a domain controller to uh, respond to you, because um, why not run the print server on your domain controllers, right? Um, Who does that? Yeah, don't run the print server on your domain controller. Do do not run the print spooler on a domain controller. Um, Do not run the print spooler on anything that is not a print server that's a server. Anyway, um, so now that web server has an incoming authentication um and it has a uh it's able to get a TGT for that account and can now pass that on to anything else because it's not constrained. So it that that Kerberos ticket can basically be passed on or relayed um to to put it into terms of like what people understand from NTLM. Um so yeah, Kerberos unconstrained delegation, if you don't have all of your admins set as You know, protected, uh, sensitive, um, either or or both in protected users and account is marked sensitive and cannot be delegated. If somebody compromises a server that has unconstrained delegation on it or compromises a service account that is configured for unconstrained delegation, they can compromise your admins.
0: And so, a couple extra points around there is I've left the protected users group open. I know you guys can't see it, but hopefully you can at least see that it's completely empty. So by default, it's empty, and mm-hmm. in 99.9% of environments, it remains empty. Um, a lot of the pushback that we get around using protected users is that it it prevents it, it protects in such a way that it prevents things like logging into the vCenter console. Um, prevents, uh, does it prevent RDP? I can't remember. It prevents several different, like, authentication. Weak so
2: authentication RDP. It, it prevents the the weak ways that people yeah. tor- normally do um, because protected users not only protects against um, Kerberos delegation, but it blocks NTLM authentication for that account. It disables CRED SSSP, which is how a lot of RDP single sign-on happens. Um, it changes the default lifetime of any kerberos tickets on that account and a couple other things too i can't remember off the top of my head jakes i think was it jake or you that wrote a good blog on that it's on the trimark content hub um it was just within the last couple months uh
0: yeah he wrote he talked on it last year at hackers teaching hackers which i bring the hat for and um also wrote wrote a follow-up blog on that as yeah. well. So I believe both the talk and the blog are published on the Trimark Hub. The uh, the other point I wanted to quickly make, too, is one of the, we just touched on Print Spooler, which is not necessarily in scope of of what it is that we're talking about, but it should always be in scope, is the Print Spooler, Scott says, we used to see this on about 75% of our assessments. Um, and then I think we, we probably have the um, Print Nightmare to really thank for finally showing everyone that it's a serious issue, because uh, yep. you know printer bug and like you had said, so many other issues with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only brought it down to about
2: twenty five percent. So, so we do have some hope, but it's still a serious issue. Yep. And um, printer bug and printer nightmare are two separate things. Printer bug still exists. Printer nightmare has had a whole string of patches for it, but still exists in a lot of environments because. Um, the patches make it so that most of the ways that sysadmins, administrate printer servers don't work anymore. So uh, you'll, you'll find that disabled in a lot of environments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so
0: as far as the uh, the detection script goes, when we invoke the AD scripts, one of the things it does check is explicitly not only unconstrained delegation. I think we only have it set unconstrained in here. Yeah. But you can see the delegation type is listed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know that we need to, at this time, get completely into constrained delegation, which is the better but not great method. One thing that I do want to talk about uh, on this is like a quick win, because at at Trimark, we'd like like to talk about the level of effort of some of these fixes. So Mm -hmm. you know our assessments will show, hey, you've got 150 accounts with Kerberos on constrained delegation. So you need to check every single one of those servers to identify if it's required. Well, one of the quick wins is looking at the service principal names, right? So if the, the computer account does not have a service principal name, then it's not really delegating anything. Is that, is that completely true, Jim, or is that just like,
2: probably well, true? no, because every computer, every computer account that's ever been, activated and enabled has an spn in active directory because of like you know host um so basically the host the um so every every computer account has has spns like these these computer accounts are uh they're not stale because they're they're brand new they're they're enabled they've never actually been used or logged into so like their whole uac value and everything around them is not actually set like a live computer would be. Um, That's you need to do a new band setting, but... Um,
0: pre-staged, with, is that the right word?
2: Yeah, they're just pre-staged computer accounts they've never actually been logged into, so they won't get their full user access control. Um, there's, there's another bit that will be flagged on that, and then... Windows, the Active Directory will add the SPNs once it's actually been logged into. So um, every domain controller has an S- has SPNs, um, and they, some of them tie back to the Kerb TGT account um, for K admin for changing passwords. Um, user accounts will not have an SPN by default um, unless you specifically add one. Um, computer accounts will have a specific set of pre-staged, pre-built service principal names and if it's something if if it doesn't have any of beyond those unless it's like a file server maybe um you're probably not actually using unconstrained delegation and you shouldn't really even need unconstrained delegation for a file server anyway um there's no double hop in that that i can think of
0: so a point uh made in chat would probably be Make it true that no custom SBNs. Yeah, so that's fair. That may be it. Yep.
3: Brandon, what are you doing? I'm trying you?
1: something.
0: Oh, I want to show SBNs, man.
1: Back uh, yeah, filter. Uh, filter. It it doesn't
0: need a filter. I put in a computer.
1: Yeah, Dev. Is that
3: what that is?
0: Um. See, you didn't know PowerShell would do that. <clears throat> so this is a. These are the service principal names on the the only computer object in the entire domain that has valid service principal names. Probably um, have LDAP. So you would cus, custom or like valid names you'd see in here would be um, something like SQL or is it? It's either SQL or MS SQL or you know you'd get other service names in here that would be uh, valid service principal names.
2: Yeah, and if you if you go if you up arrow to get that and then do um, expand. Expand prop. Yeah. space. Expand property. Or, wait. Uh, I think I got to select it.
1: Yeah. There you go. Oh, look at. My- oh,
0: I almost did it. I probably mistyped. Yep. Oh, I have to. I have to give it the property. Hold on.
1: Yeah. I missed it. Oh, I was so close.
2: We'll almost did the whole
1: thing.
2: Yeah.
3: I
1: don't know
2: how you guys can read the screen. Like, I'm having a hard time. it will be okay, host LDAP, um, DFSR. But and the, the fun thing is that host is a like a property set for uh, service principal names. So it's like host includes SMB. It includes uh, HTTP. I think. Yeah, HTTPS. Um, host, Yeah, I can't. I, I'm doing stuff off the top of my head today. I'm not looking at my notes. Normally, I look at notes when I when I talk. So.
0: Oh, I remembered. I know what it is.
2: It's. We'll do
1: it live. There. We'll do it live.
2: I mean, all things considered. There well, we okay. go.
0: Hey, yeah. it only took three tries. All right.
2: Yep. Yes. Yeah, so
0: host That's is.
2: Yep, yeah, hosts, and you're gonna see one for each,
1: um, each name type in there as well, on several of them. Cool. Yeah. Um, All right.
2: Do we want to keep moving? I mean, we've got. Okay, got a couple minutes left. Thirteen minutes, right? The reason why constrained delegation is better than unconstrained <laughs> delegation is, is because you can say, okay, this server can, can can delegate, can impersonate, but it can only do it to this list of servers and and um, and service. Uh, um, List of services and services. So you can you can constrain it down to where it's only able to be abused on like that exact SQL server. So it prevents you from being able to send that back to LDAP and um Yeah. So we have eight minutes left, guys. Um, before we have to do close up what, what was the next thing we wanted to look at? Hey, like, nice.
0: So, the next maybe we can just call it like next time, or we can just kind of walk through a little bit of this script. so the other things that the hacktive directory script sets that we've gotten got on our list to check, um two of which actually are checked in in the free script. the other one's not, but I kind of wanted to mention it anyway so the two the two other things that are configured are uh g p o permissions so creates a GPO, links it to the domain root, and then grants a user access to modify that GPO. So that's one of the misconfigurations that gets added. It's also something that's checked right here in the AD script, identifies uh, which GPO exists, and then all of the accounts or the groups that have access and what permissions those have. Um,
3: as well as the owner. We also check the owner, I think, above.
2: Yeah. It's right there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And ownership is important. Yes, Jim would know. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, the other uh, similar permission set that's in here somewhere is Sysvol. I don't. Uh, not this one though. Maybe we don't check this. Sys- I don't think we check the fall permissions actually. So the script che- checks for a fun one that still exists. Um, I just found this in a in an assessment is the group policy preferences password. So the um, Sysvol in the XML files, it it used to store the C password, or the poorly encoded password, for uh, if you were to set the local administrator. So this was the old school way before LAPS existed that administrators would push and modify the local administrator account password um, on all endpoints. So that's essentially stored in plain text. So this will pull that out. The, uh, the misconfiguration that we set around the sysvol is uh, is around permission to to modify files in the sysvol. And the problem associated with that, or one of the many problems associated that with that, is surrounded by the use of login scripts. Yep. So if you've got administrators that have login scripts. or or any user really, and someone's able to modify a um, a login script, then you've you've got a fairly uh, serious issue, because the next time they authenticate, it's going to run whatever code um, an attacker wants. Um, Let's see. I don't have, we can do this. We've got time. So
3: one thing we're going to do, we'll add the, the
1: SITS file permissions to this script later after this, maybe sometime next week, and update it. Uh, let's see. I don't remember which one of those three it is. But we're gonna do it. Yeah, I know it's not valid. What are you trying to do? Oh, it wants to do. Uh, that's that that's what's matter. Can I be empty? There you go.
0: I'm trying to set a logon script. Oh. So the last thing I wanted to quickly touch on, because yeah, we've got a little bit of time still. Um You'll you'll see here. Well, you you won't see here because I can't zoom this in. Uh, this Braden Cook guy. Why don't we PowerShell
1: him and then we'll do it. Okay, user Braden.
0: And we're gonna take take all of his properties and we'll just sort it out. Um, so the Hactor directory script also sets passwords in the description field. So this is another thing that uh, that exists. There's also like a notes or info field that exists. So here mm-hmm. under description we have a very secure one that's being set. So the reason this isn't in the script is it's incredibly difficult to de- to detect what a password is because it almost requires a human to to see it. But I wanted to show this because the description field is something that any user can check on any other user object by default in the domain. So it's a very easy mm-hmm. bit of enumeration that can occur. And an attacker can just dump that and probably look through it fairly quickly and identify mm-hmm. it better than a computer could.
3: Yep. Yeah, and there's no reason to put that kind of stuff in the description. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that.
2: No, yeah. Once dev um, hooks chat GTP into the checks, then we'll get that sorted out. Yeah, I think that's the other.
0: So, this is the other thing I was trying to show is the profile path. I don't know that that's the Mm -hmm. correct login. No, I think that is. Is that right? No, script path. Script path.
3: Wait, were you trying to for the login script?
0: Yeah. So, script path is what's going to actually. I just put test in there, but that's if you've got users with login scripts, then that's the attribute that it's going to show. So I wanted to highlight this real quick. Access to the sysvol and access to any user account, you can look for what scripts are being called by what users. You can enumerate who's a domain admin, and you can identify the script, the exact script that would need to be modified to attack well, any it's users. not.
3: And it's not that it's on login. Like, you, they could also like this update the GPO stuff and do all kinds of fun stuff just to trigger events. Um, so, like, if they're on your system and they can't, they don't want to log out because they don't know the password, but they have access to that script file, they can update it, rerun it, boom, done. They have access to your system now.
2: Yep. Yeah. And if you don't have hardened UNC pass, you could potentially do a machine in the middle attack on, on SysVol. And uh, feed it a different, different script.
3: Especially yeah, spaces in there and it has to do interpretation and trying to figure out where exactly he's located. Yeah, that's real fun.
0: All right, so we're at closing thoughts slash wins or whatever. But in uh, in Jake fashion of changing things up, I'm interested in what chat has to say. I don't even know how many people we've got on chat right now, but like. I just want feedback. So hit me hit me in chat, hit me on Twitter, um, any of us. Let us know did you did you like something like this? Um, do you do you prefer the old school method? Is there something specific that you'd like us to dig into deeper? Something you want to see on like a next episode, um, just let us know because this this uh took a decent amount of prep work, but I think it's a hundred percent worth it. I think it's very cool to show some hands-on keyboard stuff.
2: Yeah, and it's and it's fun to make friend of fun of Brandon when his demo doesn't work very well. Yep. And we're going
3: to be using the same machine
2: for every demo going forward. Yep. And
0: this great little two hundred dollar Dell that I purchased.
3: <laughs> uh, um. The other thing is, the, as we said before, the script is online and in GitHub. It's going to be when Jake gets back from vacation, he's going to do a pull request and merge it all in. It's free. Run in your environment. You know, want to do a code review, go ahead, go through the code, always go through code before you run in a domain controller. Go through it, make sure it's good, run it, look at the results. Now, within the script, the other thing we did, can you go to the actual um, invoke script real quick,
2: Brandon? do not run active directory in your production environment. Just want to say that real yeah, loud invoke one. They invoke script. Yeah. Do not run <laughs> yeah. this one, the Active Directory one, yeah. 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 The, the Trimark checks one, yeah, go for it. That that one's cool. You can code review it. But yeah, do not run the script designed to set up an insecure environment on your anything but your lab. Correct. Um, can you go up
3: to where the scroll up a little bit? So if you notice on the bottom, we broke everything out to functions. So if you even if you just want to run a single check, you could just comment out all the other stuff and just run that one single check. It, compl- mm-hmm. it completely stands on its own, and that way you can run a isolated piece of the test um, if you like to. Um, as well as if you scroll up to any of the functions, you could just copy the functions that's in there. Obviously, there's, you may have to replace some of the variables, but then you can run it as a one-off script for yourself and not have to run the whole thing. Um, again, completely free. Take it, use it as you want. My, you know,
2: with the modify
3: MIT with the with the MIT license agreement that's up there, but modify it, do what you want, even add to it. If you see something you want to add, a check to this. Go ahead, do um, create a branch, modify the code, and do a PR request, and we will review it and add to it as needed. So it's community driven script.
2: Dev, wouldn't a PR request be a pull request request?
3: I'm going to punch you so okay. hard, Jim.
2: Yeah. Oh, man, that's two punches. <laughs> yeah.
3: oh. Have you ever seen
2: an ATM machine?
3: Yes. You watch Spider-Verse, apparently. <laughs> I hate what people call the ATM machine. Isn't the M machine?
2: All right. It is. Oh. It, it, I know you never give any of us a hard time, so when I see an opportunity... I got to take
3: it. I'm the nicest person. And by the way, Scott, my glass is almost empty now, for the record. Not even half full.
2: Oh,
0: so is mine. Oh, and I told I told Jake that I would uh, pour one out for him in, in my mouth. So cheers, Jake. Have fun in Costa Rica, you bastard.
3: <laughs> uh, my vodka is almost done, but oh, well.
1: <laughs>
3: I mean, water. My water is almost done.
0: All right. Anything else we got? Um, next, uh, Jim. Next week. closing thoughts.
2: My closing thoughts. Um, Do it. Microsoft should have never got rid of the tiering model. Maybe
1: we
3: can have a or,
0: You can't just drop that. Jim is more of a red
3: racism forest is and...
2: <laughs> Jim is a more red
3: forest kind of person. And
2: no, like now, not even. No, red red forests are dumb too. But, um. <laughs> So the, I, I tweeted something out the other day in response to uh uh Joseph Rice. Um like th- there's a there's a model if you go out to Microsoft's um Active Directory securing Active Directory um documents, there's a model out there for like a lifeboat forest. Um check that check that out. Um it's an interesting idea. Um could help you prepare for uh the Eventuality of AD compromise if you don't actually um, spend the time to tear out your AD and, and do the right things.
3: Brought to you by the same people who made Red Forest recommendations.
2: Yeah, but this is a better. This was totally better. The Red Forest is like if you have to have Microsoft Consulting set it up for you, it's probably not going to work and be you know sustainable, right? That's that's the problem with the Red Forest. But no, the tiering part where like you have domain controllers are tier zero, um, Active Directory Certificate Services is tier zero, your domain admin, like all the accounts for that domain admins, administrator, EA, um, your privileged access workstations that you're using because you certainly aren't logging into domain controllers from your regular PC, right? Um, So that's tier zero. All that stuff stays separate from your member servers. So you're not using domain admin to log into member servers, and you're certainly not logging into regular user workstations with a domain admin account. Because when you do that, you're leaving the opportunity for an attacker that's already on that workstation to grab those domain admin credentials from that workstation, and now they're the domain admin. You know, it's like, look at me, I'm the domain admin now. Yeah, so, all of it sounds great on paper
3: until you go to actually implement and do it day to day.
2: I did for fifteen years. So you're the, oh, you're the one person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm the one environment that's ever implemented the the tiering model. But it it, it it's amazing because you it's you it get to the point where you can give an attacker domain admin credentials from a workstation and they can't do anything. I've been in an assume breach engagement and gave away admin credentials. Because you're a workstation, those won't work. Mm. There's more to it one than what I just explained, but yeah, we can get into that someday.
3: All right. I think that's all we have. Uh Brandon, you have anything you wanna add?
0: Yeah, I just wanna so I went and looked up because Danny's usually got all this uh scheduled out. So next week actually for the next three weeks, we've got uh, two Casey's and a Stacy. So next week we have Casey John Ellis on tap and then we have uh, Casey T who I can't remember is actually last night. Casey,
2: Casey Smith is yeah. yeah,
0: That makes sense. And then we have Stacy Dunn wrapping out the, uh, actually, let's see, yeah, that'll be the last day in June. Uh, and then we've got a couple more coming up in July for sure. Uh, Again, if you guys like this structure, we're thinking about doing some sort of like a luncheon luncheon lulls or luncheon watch Brandon Cry type thing, where I will be uh, doing some of this live demo stuff, maybe doing some blue team, some red team, and just all around screwing up and trying not to catch my laptop on fire.
3: Yeah, and if you manage to trick him up, he's going to shave his mustache off on the show for you.
0: Right? Is that part of it? might get more views. Yeah. (laughs)
3: All right. Well, that was it. Thanks for joining, everybody. Peace. Hot mic time, Brandon. How can you bring a two hundred dollar computer? to try to do this demo
2: you know what
3: yeah. work is uh your, your definition of work we need to work on
2: That's it, wasn't
0: it wasn't
2: terrible it
0: wasn't great
3: it wasn't a lot of things
0: you know what jim i'm really glad you're here i'm glad you're here Brad.
3: i'm bugging me plays out but let me know what no, I'm I'm part part is, uh, i on Oh, you know what? You, in my you transitioned
0: to land. the ending so just fine